0: and welcome to the latest edition of the JazzNet Weekly Podcast, the Independent Rangers Podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 171 of the flagship Sunday show. I'm your host, Colin Armstrong. Uh, As I keep saying to you every week, guys, it's not just the pod we have here at JazzNet. If you get yourself onto the website uh, and forums, you'll find lots of stuff on there, including the forums, articles. Uh, Frankie's got his social media. There's a history archive on the website as well. We would always uh, also ask you to subscribe to the podcast if you can. Uh, I think we've got over Five thousand subscribers on YouTube now, so get yourself on that. Put the word out there on social media. Let people know that we're here. Uh, before I bring my guests in, I should highlight uh, our partners at Zenith Coins, who are offering you a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, to celebrate Rangers' one hundred fiftieth anniversary by owning a limited edition uh, coin collection. Uh, there are five iconic milestones of Rangers' history forged in and uh, set into the collection, which is the founding fathers, Ibrox Stadium, uh, the Cup Winners' Cup win in nineteen. 1972, eh, nine in a row and 55 league titles. These are being released in small batches throughout the year. Some are already out there, but there's more to come. Eh, if you would like to buy one of these, get yourself onto www.zenithcoins.com. Eh, so time to bring in my guests and what has been an absolute shitter of a day. Eh, let's be honest, I, I can't remember feeling... Uh, as angry as this when, when it came to Rangers for quite a while, to be honest with you. Hugely frustrating day, you know, Celtic drop points at Easter Road. We get presented an opportunity to cut the gap uh, and we pass it up in almost comical circumstances. Uh, so I'll, I'll bring in my guests, Ian and Patrick. Ian, as as I often say when you're on the show, we're of a similar age. We've had similar experiences in terms of the, you know, the Rangers teams that we've enjoyed through the years. Uh, this feels like Jock Wallace, 85 86, all over again, doesn't it? It's, it's like draw, 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 get beat, draw. Uh, I hadn't thought about it that way, to be quite honest,
1: <laughs> but I've kind of put that year out of my mind as much as I can, to be <perfectly> <laughs> It there has been a few it, there's been a few a bit like ninety seven, ninety eight in some ways as well, where we yeah. we had opportunities and we just kept passing them up, you know, but a bit similar to that. I mean just it fr- frustrating's a word, you know. I'm almost I'm almost past being angry about it, really, to be honest. And it's just got to the point of just
0: fed up, <laughs> really, to be honest. It's <laughs> well, just, just that. I'm, I'm, I actually reached my peak angle of the day I must admit that. I was just like, when, when it was two each in eight the eighth minute or something, like that, I just turned to my son I was like, I genuinely can't believe we're here. How did, how did, how did we get here? That is a frustrating thing. I mean, you know, to,
1: to drop points to Motherwell, who are not a great team by any stretch of the imagination, to put it mildly, and... They didn't particularly. I wouldn't even say. You know, sometimes you see teams that play above themselves, and you, you can say, "Well, okay, on the day they had a great performance. You know, played Livingston a few times, and they've they've raised their game, and 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 you can see how they've they've got the point. I just could not see how Motherwell would have got points out of that game today, and to you know, bad enough to to draw with them to to throw away a two 0 lead against them is is
0: just beyond belief. But uh, but there you go. Uh, how are you feeling uh, about this, Patrick? I mean, uh, me and Ian are a bit more weathered. You know, we've been through this before. How How is it feeling from a, a younger Rangers fans perspective?
2: No, I mean, the last time I was on was similar circumstances when obviously... <laughs> Less than so sure. Sorry, so, that,
0: so we, we need to stop getting you in the show, is that what you Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that
2: was, that was um, the day after I think we dropped points to Aberdeen uh, in, just a month ago. But no, I mean, obviously um, I can't comment on eighty five, eighty six, or 97, but it does remind me two years ago when we were uh, doing well in Europe and then dropping points domestically. I think the, the best example was the, the 3-2 win at home to Braga and then sandwiched by a 2-2 draw at St. John'son. And uh, another poor result. But no, it, this season is quickly becoming one that I'd like us to just get done with. That doesn't mean I have no, it's all to spare and I have no confidence in us uh, winning stuff. I, I still do, but it is be quickly becoming attritious and uh, quite annoying, especially this last month and a half period.
0: Yeah, I certainly think since we've came back from the winter break, it's, it's I mean, obviously we had a great result. Over the you know the two legs against Dortmund and yeah you know you're looking for a reaction for a reaction from that and both weekends after those great results we've not got it uh, so I suppose we should get in about it uh, Ian I'll, I'll come to you first you know I was I got off the train today <laughs> I actually made a bite and asked myself I was going to the game and I got a text from my mate and it just said get in and I mistook that for. He, he, he often texts me to say like if Celtic are getting beat. So I just took it that Celtic had scored and that they were one not up and it was fairly late on. So I let out a roar and said, like, get in, it's one nothing to Hibs. <laughs> uh, and then I got a message like 30 seconds later going nothing each full time. And I was like, right, okay. And it, but, it, but even then you're like, right, we've been presented with a huge opportunity here yeah, to cut the gap down to a point. And to not take that, especially when you consider where we were at time you know, the second half, I mean, it's just, it's not the type of performance, it's not the type of result uh, to pass up that type of opportunity. That's not what you, you expect to see from, you know, champions elect. No, oh,
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, that's that's the bottom line. You know, champions don't drop points from a 2-0 lead at home to Motherwell at time. You know, you, you just don't. And it's that that's kind of the, that's the most frustrating thing about today is just you know losing that uh, that opportunity because I think you know if we if we had got the, if we won today which we should have done the points gap is down to one the momentum is back with us because everyone had sort of given up the ghost after the the the, the Celtic game and uh, and we reacted fairly well to that other than the Dundee United game which you could you could almost put down to an anomaly in some ways because it was. Actually, I thought they played pretty well against Dundee United and were, were unlucky more than anything. And It was right after the, the, the first leg of the Dortmund game, so it's almost forgivable to to, to, to drop points after a game like that away from home. Um, but to get that opportunity today and not to take it is just you know, I, I just don't see, I just don't think you. Know, we'll, I don't think we'll get a second opportunity like that. I don't think we'll get a second chance. I don't, I mean, I, I'm not as I've, said, as I've just said off here before we come on, I don't really watch Celtic playing other than when they're playing against us. So I don't see how they're playing. But looking at their results, you know, they've been, most of their games have been scraping by, by, a, a, you know, a winning a, with a late goal. The difference is they're winning their games with late goals, whereas we're, Either drawing or losing them with late goals, or, or not so much losing, but but not failing to win them uh, with, with with late goals against us, or not getting that winning goal later on in the game, which which they've been getting. So so that's the difference. But you could look at that and say, well, their performances aren't. You know, if you're only beating Dundee by a single goal and it's a last minute goal, then you know you could argue that that's you know hardly championship winning a, a, a form either. But but you know. When we get the opportunity, we need to take it, and you know, not to take it is is
0: you know it's unforgivable, really, for these players. That's that, that is the difference in it because I mean, last week, you know, we dropped points at Tanadice, present Celtic with an opportunity, <coughs> and in the ninety second minute, they haven't taken that, and then they get the very very late winner, and and then it turns out they do take it, and we get presented with an opportunity today, and we're we're costing it, we're absolutely costing it at half time. At half time, I said actually I say to my son. I said just into the game, three points is the main thing. I says, but if we can get a few goals as well, you know, that's 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 the bonus. That's the cherry on the cake, you know, because they're nine goals ahead on, on the goal difference tally. I say so. Even if we get a three or a four nothing one, I says, one end's the, the the priority. If we win one nil, fine. But if we're, if we can get a few goals, so at half time, I'm saying to him. Well, it's all set up. You know, we could maybe get a three or a four here, and to, to go the the totally other way, I'm. Even now, as I'm talking about it, I'm getting angry. Anyway, Patrick, looking at the stats to to, to, to the, today's game 77% possession uh, for Rangers, 30 shots in total, 10 of those were on target, uh, 15 corners for Rangers to Motherwell's one. Uh, Motherwell had three shots on target and scored two. I hate to say this, but it's a familiar pattern developing here. We're having a lot of the ball, we're having a lot of chances. We're not converting enough of those chances. And at the other end, you know, it, I, I'm now thinking teams uh, playing against Rangers are thinking, you know what, Well, if we get two shots on target, there's every chance we'll get at least one goal. Because that's that's the sort of scoring ratio against us now. You know, Dungeon United, I think, had two shots on target last week, scored one. Motherwell today, three shots on target, scored two. It, it, it's it's a worrying trend and and it's a familiar one.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's completely similar to the, the Ross County game. It, it's almost more annoying that it's not a byproduct of like them playing well. I'm, not to say there was a visible improvement from Motherwell in the second half. I don't think they could have got worse from the first half, which makes it all the more annoying just considering how dominant we were in that first half. And as you mentioned, it did look like we were cruising to the point in which we were sort of ticking off goal difference because now it's a, it's a three-point gap, but it's uh, it's not you can't circumvent that in one game because their, their goal difference is as good as a point. So it's effectively a four-point gap at this point. Um, yeah. But no, it's similar. So they get three shots and they score two. I think Ross County probably got four or five and they scored three against us. Um, it, it's similar sort of patterns in goal origin, whether that be us being beat on the break uh, an inability of um, to marshal the box from our centre-backs, full-backs, and, and goalkeeper is probably the one who's going to take the most blame for that and has, um, at least as so, in the forum that is Twitter. But no, it's, it's disappointing. Um, it's not surprising, as you said. It's not even just characteristic of this year. Um, last year, it wasn't um, common. We, we were pretty watertight as much so as I can remember really any football team being over a season. But if you look back to two or three years ago, it was similar. Um, Whether that just be a byproduct of the sort of the way we play in um, the individual players we have, perhaps, but it's not good enough. And it's it's more frustrating because you'd rather um, be sort of lose which is kind of the overriding emotion today even though we didn't lose technically but we we lost uh, ability to gain ground uh, against a team who plays well scores good goals but these were really avoidable Um, the first one McGregor can just come out quite easily and take the cross or golden can slide and put it back to the corner and, and then that second one was a calamity of errors, whether it be Tav or Goulton to stick a foot in, albeit they're in the box, but it, it's really not that difficult, a two-on-one and then the less we say about McGregor's positioning um, to get beaten so easily at the near post, uh, the better
0: uh, I mean in the, the, the start in eleven as well, I think we should have a wee look at that, you know uh, Balogun Uh, left out the side, uh, who I thought done really well when he came in on on Thursday against Dortmund. Uh, (laughs) Lundström dropped to centre-half. I don't think anyone saw that. I mean, I did did foresee a couple of changes today. I thought Kamara would come in today. I thought Sakala would come in. uh, But I didn't think we would see Lundström drop to to, to centre-half. The the worrying aspect, we'll come on to talk about Aaron Ramsey because I think that's, that's a topic in itself that's maybe worth looking at a wee bit of concern for me that no jack again even in the squad or Holander. Uh, so an interesting starting 11 and a couple of worrying wee signs in terms of who wasn't even in the squad yeah i mean i, I don't know if there's
1: anyone if anyone said why these changes were made specifically and whether there's any Specific reason for Jack and Helander specifically uh, being left out, whether they've got injuries or whether they're just been rested because they've they've just come back from long term injuries, and I guess they've played a few games. Although Helander wasn't playing in midweek, so you, you could you, you would have thought that he would be. You know, he'd be a player that would be first on the team sheet you know, if, if he was talking about, uh, trying to freshen things up. So, yeah, a bit, a bit of a concern, especially if they've got uh, more injury problems. Um, the Balogun and Lundstrom thing, well, I mean, I just, I, it's not so much playing Lundstrom and, and centre back that confused me. It was more the taking them out of the midfield where he'd been playing really well. So, so you're, you're affecting basically two positions by doing that and, To to what effect? You know what? You know what? Why? I I don't. I mean, if Balogun wasn't fit, he's on the bench, so you know he must be fit enough to play. I mean, that's how I would look at it. So I can't see why you wouldn't play him as a first choice centre back at centre back in that game and keep Lundstrom where he he is. Or if you want to take him out, take him out and put somebody else in there. But at least you're, you're only making one one change. In that uh, team or and positional positional change, but I I don't know. I mean it, I I didn't see the first half of the game today for, for you know various reasons so I saw the second half and who uh, are you? I, well, I know maybe I'm blame. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lund- Lund- Lundström, by all accounts did okay in the first half, so you know maybe uh, that would have worked, but you know second half obviously it wasn't working, and you know. That would have been the time to make the change again, uh, and and, and fr- bring in somebody who actually p- plays that position. But you know, I don't know. I, 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 we'll welcome to Ramsey later. But again, it's I, 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 that is a concern. Um, I, I definitely am a, a bit concerned about what, where that's going.
0: In terms of your concerns, is that with Geo and
1: his team selection? The, the concern I was meaning there specifically was about Ramsey. Was is, is what his uh, his role is going to be, if if any? I mean, you know, and how much we're paying him for for basically not doing anything. I don't know what the terms of the yeah. deal are, but if he's not playing, then uh, and due to injury, then you know the, that's money down the drain, basically. Um, yeah, yeah, I I mean there, there are some concerns about uh, the the team selection overall, and again about the approach. Maybe that's something we'll come to later on as well. But you know. I think it would be harsh to criticise Van Bronckers too much for that. He's working with basically not his own players, so he's trying to make the the, the most of what he's got. But uh, but n- nonetheless, you know, you know there, today today the, there, there's there's no real positives to come out of today at all. So you know, it's it's maybe one of these ones we just have to write off and just hope that it's a,
0: another blip, but. We've been saying that all yeah, season. I mean, I think I, I think the only positive we can take out today is that Celtic didn't win. Well, you I, know, what I mean, that's 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 the that's the only thing, and that only came to me in the last sort of half hour. Try to find something positive. I was like, well, at least they didn't win. Because if they did win, we, we, we would be in the, the territory of, you know, well, we, we we genuinely can't afford any more sort of defeats or slip ups, or or, or it is all over. Uh, Patrick, I, I mean, early doors. I mean, I, I was I was slightly surprised with the start eleven. I have to say, uh, I, I thought he would have. I thought Sakal would would have came in. I thought he'd maybe left our field out the day. Uh, I think he's looked a wee bit tired the last few games. Thought he'd have left our field out. Uh, I didn't know there was an issue with Jack, but I I, I did take him out uh, for for Kamara. I thought he'll bring in Kamara. Uh, he'll leave Lindstrom in. He'll bring Aribo back and put Sakala on the right, and I, I thought he would have went with Balogun. However, you know he's went with the team that he's went with, and you know that's, that's up to him, that's, that's his prerogative as manager. And it looked like it was working, you know, early in the first half, we were, you know, uh, Kelly's had a, a, a really good save from Tav and Lundstrom, and, you know, early on, I, I really thought, oh, we're in the mood here, because previously when we've been presented with opportunities, right from the off, you kind of got that sense, oh, they're not what for it here, you know, they're, they're struggling, they're not dealing with the pressure of, you know, we can close the gap and all that kind of thing. That whole first half and before they got the goals, you got the sense that Rangers were in the mood and they were more.
2: Yeah, the first half seemed a direct continuation of the the second half at Dortmund as if they we just played... Um, with- Exactly. Just like that. But um, no, I think the starting lineup, I think Ian made a really good point that moving Lundstrom back to centre back was multifaceted in the fact that we took him out of his natural position where he was getting uh, consecutive performances at a top-notch at a really good level. And it begs the question, if we're going to force someone to play centre-back outside of our sort of natural three-man rotation, uh, why not play James Sands? That's his uh, natural position. That's why he's racked up 55-60% of his minutes, albeit he usually plays in a three, but Lundsham's centre-back experience is extremely limited and also within a three. So you have to question that. Um, but I, I think... The first 45 minutes were outstanding. I think the Arfield shout is a good one. I'm su- I was surprised from that he started from the, uh, the off, considering the fact that he has played so many minutes so far and he isn't getting any younger. Yeah. Um, the Jack was not surprising. if a little disappointing. That's the first time he's played back-to-back games in over a calendar year. So uh, I didn't expect him to start. I thought maybe feature on the bench, but I think it's come out that that was just sort of a pro- uh, sort of safety measure, if anything else. But I think the lineup. there was nothing wrong with it, and that showed in the first half. um, I I quite liked it, and I think think we're on the front foot. It it looked like a sort of uh, counting-up exercise at one point. After we got that two in a minute, in in the 22nd minute, it looked like we go in and make it four, five, or six, as we did uh, three or four months ago at Four Park, and we did last season in a six-one as well. But then it turned into a sort of, I, I don't even know the best way to describe adjectives because I don't think Motherwell played very well I just think we played no. down to their level and it was a really poor second half of football but even then I still thought that we'd, we'd get the goal um, but that never came albeit a few goal line skirmishes I think obviously a special note has to go to Liam Kelly who played really well uh, and Woolery also uh, used his pace and uh, ability um, on the counter well he, he kept the ball and he was key in in both goals for him scoring and assisting but Beyond that, I think the resounding emotion is, is disappointment. Uh, I do think, obviously, it's overall um, a fail on the team. Though I think Morelos and Kent obviously looked quite good. Kent looked really sharp in the first half, and Morelos did as he's been doing in the last month. I haven't looked back at either of the two offside goals, but they seemed really tight. And I, I know the camera work on Rangers TV made a lot of going to Geo looking at the iPad, and he seemed really cross at that those two decisions and the handball. But I don't think we're at the point in which we need to be complaining about those sort of decisions going our way as opposed to highlighting the fact that it was all of our own doing. And this game should have been the type of in which we win by four or five and then we think, oh, we could have had another two if VAR was in here and it would be a 7-0 as opposed to a
0: 2-2. Yeah, I mean, when they did get the two goals, I mean, I don't think you can give the first to, to Morelos. I've watched it back and I think, it, I think it's definitely Mugabe's own goal. Really impressed with the second goal. You know, Kent's what. Brilliant finish for Sakala. You know he, he seems to enjoy playing against Motherwell. I, I think he, that that's as as did uh, big big said the Ted. You know it, it seems that we have strikers that the like to score against Motherwell. And I say, at that point, all looking rosy, you think yeah, we've got we've got the two uh, sorry we've got the three points in the bag. It's it's all about the goal difference. Ian, uh, even in the second half, I thought the first five or six minutes it looked like. You know we're going to continue that. You know I thought we started fairly okay in the second half. Excuse me, but you know as as Patrick's pointed out there, Willary, I thought he made Lundstrom look really really slow. Uh, you know he, he he's broke down that right hand side, the cross. I, I mean how Goldson or McGregor don't don't deal with that. I, I I don't care. You know we'll come on to talk about McGregor, but it's right in front of the two of them and they just watch it go past them. Uh, and, uh, you know, the boy comes in and, and, and taps into the net. A really, really poor goal to lose. I'm trying to think of the last time
1: we even scored a goal is as, as simple as that, where, you know, it was just basically a, a ball into the box and somebody, you know, walks in and, and tap, you know taps in at the, the back post. It doesn't happen, you know, and it's... Schoolboy stuff. We should not be conceding goals like that at all. No matter who the defenders are, you know we should not be defending as badly as that, and they should not be scoring such a simple goal. I mean, it's, just, it's as simple as that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, but that, you know, we talked earlier about the the, the shots at goal and, and the number that we had on target and and so on, and the number of corners. To be quite honest, at two 0 at halftime against Motherwell even if we never have another shot on target in the entire game, we should still be winning that game. We should not be conceding two goals to to Motherwell in any uh, scenario. So, you know, it's frustrating that we're not taking the chances, but, you know, ultimately it comes down to the the defence today for me. I mean, you know, it it, it was schoolboy stuff. You know, both goals just absolutely uh, embarrassing, really. I mean, you know, and you know, it's a familiar pattern in terms of defense. And I would say, and again, maybe this is something we'll discuss a bit more detail when when we talk about if we talk about McGregor. Um, even last season, where we were, you would argue, you know, we can see the thirteen goals, which you know is an incredible record in terms of defense in the league. Uh, there was a lot of occasions where the defense. Still looked weak and still looked frail, and it was down to McGregor pulling off uh, goal saving saves. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, more than one occasion. You know, uh, you know, maybe almost won a game. And at some points, uh, you know, he was doing that. So that almost masked the the sort of ongoing defensive issues. And it's you know the you know, all this season, the three centre half well the two centre halves and the goalkeeper have been. Looked weak to me and looked, looked uh, frail, and you know that that was continuing again today. So, you know, unless the game's out of sight, then almost you almost think the, the other team's going to get a goal and, and we're going to be nervous. But as I say, we should not be in that position, you know, it'd be, you know, we should not be conceding
0: goals, simple goals, especially like that to, to Motherwell, Patrick. The second goal, uh. I think it's arguably even worse. It's it's a it's a comedy of errors. Uh, we have, I would say, a good three or four chances to clear it on that on that left hand side. It kind of comes across in the air, and you know they they also get a couple of lucky breaks the way the ball bounces and stuff like that. But to me, Tav and goals should should still react to that, and they don't. They're they're, they're weak they their defending and the 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 goal that, that goes on in in terms of from a goalkeeper's point of view from Al McGregor's point of view i mean i don't want to talk down a, a former rangers goalkeeper but to, to me that reminded me of jim Stewart and the sort of you know the early 1980s and i know it's somebody that you will know recognize but there was one goal in particular he, he conceded against charlie Nicholas. and and it kind of felt like that i mean it he's, you're talking about his positioning i think he's actually positioning is okay I, I just think the fact I don't even know what he was trying to do to save that. You know, I mean, it was so bad an attempt to save a fairly routine effort and goal, and all of a sudden a two-goal lead is blown, and then you know, at home at Ibrox, you know, the crowd start to turn a wee bit, and you could you could sense it for then that it that it wasn't going to be your day.
2: Yeah, if you if you goal, it's just a calamity of errors. I, I think. Almost, what's characterised a lot of the goals we've conceded in, in the past four years has been an inability to clear the ball properly. I think both Dortmund goals in, in Germany were like that. Um, I, I think and Goldson need to do better, um, but they are sort of have their hands tied by the fact that it's in the box. They do some like a decent job of shepherding him out wide, albeit he's still in a good good shooting position, albeit suboptimal. But then McGregor is almost acting as if he's unable to use his hands. he It kind of reminded me of when someone plays in a cross and you go for a first-time hit and you just miss it. It almost looked like he was just trying to warp it as hard as he could. Um, the, the angle in which I think his foot to the post to make it past him it is so small and he still manages to just mess it up. Um, I, I think on in isolation, if it was just that one error, you could uh, just say it's unlucky, but this is compounding, especially since post-break. Uh, and a serious number of errors we've seen from him, whether that be in shot stopping or or more consistently his inability to play uh, with the ball at his feet, which always just naturally leads to pressure we we don't need. Uh, I think that inevitably this was going to be his last season just due to age and and the contract he signed a one-year extension, but I do wonder what part he will play for the rest of the season and if uh, this is sort of the end but I Gio did say that did um, come out and support McGregor as you'd hope your manager would do publicly. Uh, what happens privately is another matter and will be sort of key indication on Wednesday. I, I doubt he drops him uh, even though i would probably in the camp that I'd like to see McLaughlin play just the contingency is there as well. He's going to at least play some part next year and the year to come whether that be as in a backup capacity or as the number one, he will be at Ibrox. And I doubt Alan McGregor is, and given his poor form, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to drop him. But I do think if any decision is made, it probably won't be on Wednesday, just given how quick the turnaround is. But no, it it was a really poor goal. And it's annoying. I mean, I don't want to be conceding absolute worldies, but a lot of the goals we are conceding are really poor and off the back of our own mistakes.
0: It, it sets up a good conversation, Ian, about, about McGregor. I mean, he has been uh, you know, such a, a great servant of the club. Okay, we can you know, we can look at the how he left the club in, in two thousand and twelve. That wasn't great, but you know, none of us will know what the players were going through at that time and the staff at the club and, and what decisions they had to make. So I'm always a little bit you know, I don't want to go in too heavy on on the guys that that that, that left the club at that point, apart from Stephen Naismith, obviously, right? But <laughs> you know, take take 2012 out. Of, you know, take the the service that he's given to that uh, to that club, and and that's what makes this conversation, I think, quite difficult. To because because he saved us so many times, because he's he's got us out of the jail so many times and saved us so many points. It's it's really really difficult to 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 be critical of him and come down heavy on him, but. There's there's no doubt about it. There's definitely an issue with McGregor at the moment. I feel every time the ball goes in the box, I I, I genuinely don't think that the centre half trust him anymore, mm. and it just causes panic. And 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 the and the the one thing that he was always good at was shot stopping, and that seems to have deserted him now. You know, he, I mean that today was was really poor. I, I I think you could look at two of the goals up at Ross County. You could you could put to him. You know, I, I can understand why you wouldn't want to to, to drop someone like McGregor because he is a club legend. But you know, when you consider what's at stake this season, you know the 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 pot that's at the end of the, the run in terms of the Champions League and what that can mean to the club, is there any room for sentiment? You know, does does Theo have to say right? Okay, he's he's done a great job for us, but right now we need someone else and and, and bring McLaughlin in.
1: No, there's no room for sentiment. I mean, you know, and there's there shouldn't be. Um, I don't think any player at any time. Should get played just because what based on what they've done in the past. Um, but dropping your first choice goalkeeper is a big shout, so you need to be 100% sure that you're not going to, you know, cause further problems for yourself, whether that be either within the squad or just in actual terms of conceding goals so you know you've got to be 100% certain that McLaughlin is going to be a better option now at the moment I think that probably is the, the you know a, he is the better option to be perfectly honest I think it's worth it's worth doing that because goalkeepers you know they, they might you know all well know that you only have to make one mistake and, and it can be fatal and, and you know if you're prone to doing that and if it's happening more often and if the pressure's on you, then you're more likely to make those mistakes, I guess. Uh, You know, every time that happens and every time you make a mistake, the pressure becomes greater and greater. And, you know, McGregor is still... A brilliant, say you know, a brilliant shot stopper. He, he can still pull off great saves. You know, he, he had a couple of good saves uh midweek against Dortmund, uh, one in particular where he, he pushed it around the post. Um, you know, he can, I, I think he, he had some in the away game as well. So, you know, he can still pull off these saves, and you could argue that that's you know, maybe worth. A goal in itself, you know, maybe McLaughlin wouldn't be able to pull off those saves. But if you're throwing the ball in the back of the net uh, separately to that, then you've negated that, you know, that achievement. So I don't know. I think it's worth. I think it's worth a risk. I don't think you can say, well, you know, what he's done uh, merits some, uh, you know, a starting position. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think anybody would would argue or should argue that uh, that is the case. I think you know, you've got to be uh, as you know brutal as is necessary and if if he's a, a liability to the team then you've got to make that you've got to make that change.
0: Is is this also about protecting McGregor as well though, you know, taking him out the the flak and the the firing line and, and and you know, it's happened in the past. You've seen players being dropped, you know, big name players getting taken out of the team and and they recover and they come back. You know, I I think if you're dropping McGregor I'm not saying that's he's you know he's not coming back all the rest of the season, but you know taking him out and, and seeing how he responds and training and stuff like that, he might find some level of form again. Again, but at this particular moment in time, I, I genuinely and I hate saying it because he has been such a great uh, player for the club. You know, he has a, a legend. There, there is an argument to say he's, he's he could be the, the greatest Rangers keeper of all time, certainly of modern times. But it's it's painful watching them at the moment. It really is, uh, and I, I do wonder if, if if Gio's got a decision to make. Uh, Patrick, well, time to talk about the the, the two Morelos goals. Now, I'm, I was kind of in line at my seat in the governor's rear is kind of on in line with the eighteen yard box. I did think he was offside for the first one. The second one, I thought looked really tight. I've watched uh, the goals again since I got home and I would say it confirms that. I think the first one, he just goes a bit early. The second one, I think he's in line. I think he's on. And we can talk about Rangers being responsible for where they are at the moment. And they are, ultimately. You know, we're conceding too many goals. We're not winning enough points. But crucial, crucial decisions, as we had at Tanadice last week as well, two definite penalties not given. You know, that's what turns these type of performances that are, you know, where you just get a point you know, refereeing decisions getting the correct the the, the decisions correct can be the difference between one point and three points. And I just think when I when I look at the the second one, there's no there's no sort of distance between the defender and the striker. It's a perfect line. I just don't see how the the linesman can put his flag up for that. It, it, it seems an odd one again.
2: Yeah, I, I don't, certainly don't think the decisions or lack thereof today. Was cut and dry as Dundee United which were I mean in black and white and the sort of decisions in which are probably going to be in some sort of referee lecture of what not to do um, I, I think the handball at least I've only seen it once I only saw it on a live broadcast I didn't think it was a handball I think his shoulder was in what seemed to be a natural position albeit he was bent over but his arm was just in the natural sort of frame uh, The second, outside- and,
0: I mean the, the, the handball I would say it has a handball but he's outside the box Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, so I mean, I mean uh, uh, it's, uh, from what I've, from what I seen uh, on on the TV today, I would say it's a definite handball, but it's not a penalty.
2: Okay, so I mean, given our, I don't think I don't remember the last time we did score a free kick, but still, that probably would have been a yellow card <laughs> and something. But I think today was more about just gradual the poor decision making. I think the best one, albeit more trivial than anything, is Don Robertson headering the ball when we have some good possession and. The the law is the the team who had last possession when the referee hits it, gets the ball. So Motherwell had the ball. But I think that was just a good sort of microcosm into the ineptitude we see in referees in Scotland. But I I don't think uh, Van Bonkhorst mentioned that uh, we would have won the game if we had VAR. Uh, I don't think it's as easy as that. You can just look to last night's decision in the Man City-Everton game. If you have inept people controlling good technology, you won't always get the right decisions. So I do think, obviously... This discourse is long rumbling and obviously important uh, and will be substantially consequential when it comes to whoever gets the title. But I do think it's not the sort of thing we can just magically change if we have a a few extra cameras and a a guy in a box looking at stuff next season. All all the decision will be right. But I do think it's probably the the right step to go.
1: The thing about VAR in, in, in Scotland is that would you really trust the the officials who make these decisions well, that's the to get it right. Yeah, that's the point. Because they don't, make, they don't make right decisions on the pitch. It's the same guys I'll be watching it on a TV screen, but I have no confidence whatsoever that they would make that right call. Uh, you know, some of them are going to be so straightforward that they couldn't possibly get it wrong, you would hope. Although, the, the you know,
0: Maybe, maybe not. But well, there was one in the Man City game last night. I thought was a clear cut penalty, and you Mm -hmm. know, VAR didn't give it.
1: Yeah. So you know, it's it's just going to. I mean, it's a whole big debate again, as you as you say. But it's going to. It's just going to create a different sort of debate theatre yeah. of debate, isn't it? It's just, you know, instead of it just being about the referees and the, the linesmen, it's then going to be the VAR guys getting it wrong and they're all Masons. So uh, you know it's it, it's all <laughs> it's all going to be you know uh, Scottish football is never going to rid itself of that uh, uh, to be honest until we actually get to a position where, you know, the referees and the the officials in general are actually competent and you know I, I don't know how whether we'll ever reach that position and even if we did would that stop the, the endless arguments and debates well probably not
0: um, I don't but, think so no I, I, I think I mean I think before we even consider VAR we need to look about making the referees pre- professional you know what I mean that's probably the next step but it's just I, I agree with you Ian. and another thing is I think referees tend to look out for one another you yeah. know what I mean I, I think there's a bit of an agreement there like if you know, if a referee makes a call and there's any dubiety about it and it and it protects the referee and, you know, makes it look like he got it right first time, then I think whoever's running the VAR will go with that. And that's it. It's, there's always going to be a level of Dubai in some of the decisions. I mean, I think VAR worked for us quite well in Dortmund and with that one the penalty because no one, I didn't see one Rangers player claim for that penalty. You know, I, I couldn't blame the, the official for not picking it up, but VAR did. But then you see, like the poor officiating with eh, the fourth goal in Dortmund. You know what I mean? You shouldn't need VAR for that. You know, Morelos is nowhere near offside, and neither is Arfield. You know what I mean? The linesman shouldn't be putting his flag up there. And another thing that you could maybe argue in that case is the linesman think, "Oh, I'll stick my flag up just in case," yeah, because and then VAR will fix it. Yeah, I VAR will fix it. Yeah, but but, but maybe you know, two or three times out of ten, VAR won't fix it. I don't know. It, it just, I don't know. It's just not for me. And I just think we need better officials. I think that's what we need. I think we need more competent officials. I think that that's the next step before we even consider uh, bringing VAR in. Uh, moving on, Ian, uh, and, and looking at, you know, Rangers form in general, especially since uh, we've come back from the winter break, Eleven points dropped, I think. Uh, draws against Aberdeen, Ross County, Dungeon United. Obviously, that defeat to Celtic. A draw today again against Motherwell. You know we've dropped points uh, against Aberdeen twice, Motherwell twice. You know last minute goals against Hearts, at Ibrox. When McGregor was was culpable again. You know you you would you you would have to say I think we've conceded ten goals since we came back as well. You would have to say again going back to what I was saying earlier on. Not the sort of form you would expect from title-winning candidates or champions elect. You know, it's 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 not good form at all, really.
1: No, I mean it's not, is it? But um, you know, the 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 concern again is you know the momentum after the winter break, and you know, we seem to have been here so many times in the last three seasons. And you know, you know I know people are questioning Gio and and whether whether or not. Uh, He's been getting things right. Well, by all means, question it. But you know, we're in the same, exactly the same position that we were in last season or two seasons ago under Gerard, and the season before that under Gerard. So you you know, we've just basically collapsed after uh, after Christmas. So something is a little bit deeper than than just the the decisions uh, being made by coaches on an individual basis. So. Yeah, frustrating, really concerning as well about the number of goals we're conceding. I mean, I think we've conceded 24 goals, I think, this season in the league so far, which, you know, that's 11 more than we did in the entirety of last season. Now, last season was an aberration in some ways, and you'd maybe never expect to see that again, but, you know, it's still, you know, a lot of goals were conceded, seven seven more than Celtic, I think, We're, we're We've nearly conceded as many as uh, as Hearts have, and and I think maybe only two or three less than them. So, you know, that is that's where the concern is, and you know, it's we really need to tighten up in defence. I I personally, at the moment, I think that the league is probably beyond us because I think we won't get another chance. I don't, but you know, if we do, if we are going to do it, then instantly we need to tighten up that defence and start. Uh, not conceding stupid goals and, and that is what it comes down to. And we had, it seemed like uh, under uh, Geo that we'd sort of stopped that rot of we were yeah. conceding the first goal every game and every game we were having to try and fight back from it and he was, you know, we were, you know keeping the zero or, or whatever the, the phrase was. Um, that seemed to have been fine initially and now, you know, yeah, it just seems that the floodgates have opened. You know, you know, yeah. How many how many goals have we conceded? Just not, I know two of them were against Dortmund, but I mean that's two, five. You know, five, I, don't, I don't. know. We've we'll, we'll, we'll conceded maybe maybe no, 10, three, eight, eight or nine three goals against, in the last
0: three, last two weeks. <laughs> well, that's yeah. The fact that you conceded three against Ross County that tells yeah. you there's a problem. I think you know what I mean. I mean, I don't mean it'd be disrespectful to Ross County, but a, a, a team that is currently champions and shouldn't be conceding three goals against, against a team like that. Patrick, Ian has is, is sort of raised a point there that, that was one I, I wanted to look at. You know, when, when you're sort of looking through social media and all the rest, it's seen a few people starting to question the player's mentality and saying, you know, they, they don't have the character and all that kind of thing. And I'm also seeing already a lot of people starting to to criticise Gio and saying, you know, he's he's, he's not up to it and... He's not the man for the job, but I think Ian's raised an, raised an interesting point there. We're seeing the same problems that, that Gerard faced in sort of 2019, 20, even in 1819, especially after Christmas, after the winter break. So, is it the players, or, or is it the manager? Because if, if, if the manager is uh, facing the same problems that a previous incumbent has, has faced, then surely you've got to, to look at the players and, and, and wonder
2: then. Yeah, and especially when you consider the uh, lack of squad turnover, it's effectively the same side um, who Jared had le- effectively since tw- the 2018-19 season. I think it's probably, I mean, you can make any evaluation you want about you. I'm not to tell you to not have an opinion, but I, I probably don't think it's any fair as to it pertains to, I see some people wanting him to, him to leave or to fire him. I don't think it's fair to make any judgments about that until he's actually had a window in which he's able to get players in. So I, I don't see him unless it goes absolutely catastrophic and we lose the lose the league by ten plus points and we're out to Red Star and we're uh, out of the cup. Comp- I don't see a universe in which he's not here in the summer. I I, I do think it's I'm not one who likes to pick on mentality. I think it's fairly arbitrary and it's pretty easy for us to say sitting at homes never playing professional football and and say that this this uh, guy who's managed a 15 or a 10 year career at the highest level in fresh football that he doesn't have the mentality strong enough. But I, I do think there's obviously something within the players that there is a reoccurring theme in which it might be a skill thing as opposed to mentality. But I think both Tavernier back in 2019 pointed out in a in a in a, uh, one of the pre-match magazines. And then Golton after the hip semi-final that there is some sort of thing lacking. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that so much was built on last season. And, and that was sort of the goal, and that was, proverbally a thing that was posted on on the board every day, and that was the motivation. And they got that. So the ability to sort of re- recuperate and go again, uh, obviously, is perhaps lacking. Though I feel kind of uncomfortable making those suggestions about these professional footballers. But no, I do think it's a it's a personnel thing less than a manager thing, because these are very similar issues um, that both management teams have seen albeit we have success in the meantime, we're still winning games, playing well, but we do see these two, three game slides in which it's the same thing, sloppy goals and people coming out with the sort of lack of mentality chat.
0: So, so uh, moving forward, do you, th- do you think it's, we'll get a better sense of Geo once he's, once he's brought his own players in?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say now he's playing with a squad that isn't his because obviously... he would keep some of these players. These are good players, albeit some aren't optimal for his system. But yeah, I think it's always a bit unfair unless the person that's absolutely calamitous and shows no ability to sort of construct their side tactically or, or um, squ- manage the squad in a, in a greater sense morally, but he's he's done fine as so that pertains. I think his like points per game average is similar to what Jared had in the first half of the season. Um, I think it's probably dipped a bit now, but yeah, I think it's unfair, especially given the juncture he came in and the pressure uh, to probably give too much um, stick to him, though we still have a few months to go, but I, I do think it's a bit premature, though I think I'm probably a bit more patient than most naturally.
0: That's because you've you've not had enough experience of the pain and the, and the rest of it. I mean Ian have been through it all before. Uh, Ian, the sort of final sort of look at uh, today's game and kind of flow flowing on from the the, the conversation around Geo and the players, it does feel like whether we win this league or whether we lose it, that, that this team is coming to the end of the cycle. You know, you would you know, the discussion we've had about McGregor there, you would imagine that he's not going to be there next season. You know, you'd imagine Connor Goldson. He's not signed a new deal. Good chance he's not going to be there next season. You would think Borna if given his current form, there's a good chance. You know, he could be looking at the door. You know, Kamara, eh, Joe Aribo, Ryan Kent, uh, Morelos. You know, I think. Uh, more than one of those could could probably be going, going out the door at the end of the season, especially if you know if, if we don't secure Champions League and we, we have to recoup some some finance. So it kind of feels like that this is a team that's coming at the end of the cycle that a lot of these players are not going to be here next season.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think there's
0: any question of that. I mean, you know, you, you, the players you're off
1: there. I mean, you know, some of them will be going because they'll be in demand. some of them will be. Going because they've reached the sort of end of their usefulness for us to, to put it uh, harshly. So I mean, yeah, you know, I think I think next season is going to see a huge amount of change. I and mean, and that in itself presents a problem because you know it's not you know in one hand Geo gets to bring in his his own pref- preferred players, but you know what kind of budget is he going to have to do that? I mean, you know that a lot of that will depend on you know if we have Champions League football or not. So uh, you know, there's you know there's a lot of a lot of questions uh, still still to come, and you know what, you know again even if you do get a good collection of players, and will they sort of blend together quickly enough to 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 be a, a team uh, that's a. Uh, Capable of 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 starting the season well, and if you know if if, if you don't start well, then there's always a risk the the, the opposition will, uh, will, will will steal a jump on you, like we did this season, and unfortunately managed to to blow it. So. Yeah, I mean I, th- I definitely think this is this is the end of the, the this team in, in terms of uh you know the the majority of them. I think I think we've we've seen, you know, even guys like Stephen Davis won't be here next season probably and uh you know there, there's there's plenty more on the periphery who'll be on the way out as well as some of the first choice guys. Um so yeah, definitely. Um the question is, in some ways, it's exciting because it's a whole new uh, sort of load of players coming in, and you like you like to see that, and you like to see how they're going to perform. The danger is that, that you know either we don't get the the quality we want, or even if we do, that, that it takes a bit of time for them to settle and and, and work in the, the new
0: system. Speaking of, of of players coming in, Patrick, I, I, I thought you know, today's result and, and how things have went since January gave us a good opportunity to look at our business uh, in, in the the January window. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think there's much point in covering the outs, you know, because most of them were, were, were players that were, you know, on the periphery, apart from obviously Nathan Patterson, but we've got a decent fee for him, so you can understand that. More wanted to look at the, the players that were coming in and, you know, Van Bronckhurst was, was very sort of adamant at the end of it all, saying that, you know, we have a better squad coming out the January window than, than we did going into it. Now, you look at the players that are brought in: uh, James Sands, uh, Diallo, Mateus uh, Zukowski, Aaron Ramsey, who will come on and speak about. You know, when you when you look at the impact those players have had, and you made a a wee comment earlier on about you know, if we needed someone else at centre half today outside the Balogun, Bill Sands is the obvious. Answered, you know, but he he's went with uh, Lundstrom instead. You would have to say that none of those players uh, have really added anything to 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 the starting eleven, and they're, they're all, if anything, they're, they're all squad players.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't dispute the fact that the squad, as it pertains, is stronger than when we came into January because we lost obviously Patterson, who is is a great prospect, but at the now uh, played really bit part. Role, um, obviously Barker left in a free, and he was he's been frozen out for what seems like at least a year and a half. So uh, in that thing, I wouldn't dispute what he says. But yeah, I, I think it's a maybe not disappointing, but when you sign two six months loans, you expect them to hit the ground running because there isn't really any time for you to sort of negotiate the idea of them getting settled in. You sign them for six months with the idea of them hitting the ground running and immediately coming in, which Diallo did do against Ross County, um, but has sort of feathered away a bit. Um, whether that be, I'm not sure why, bit of external factors, but he still also hasn't really played enough for us to come to any real conclusion on him, which is a bit disappointing because uh, he's only here for six months. Ramsey's a different kettle of fish. This was sort of expected. I don't think it's worst case scenario at this point because he still does have a few months and 12 to 13 games to sort of play, but it is definitely concerning. As it pertains to zakowski and Sands, to me. They were both brought in probably this next six months as a sort of bedding-in period. Um, Zukowski was available um, on, a, on a Bosman, so he could have come in in the summer, but we paid the fee to get him in. And I assumed, uh, as he has done now, he'd just fill in for parts and has on the bench and get a few minutes where it is. So I'm not too concerned with that. Sands as well, it was an 18-month loan for a reason. I think he obviously played those, sort of started those first two games right off the bat and looked fine. N- nothing spectacular, but again, that six months was to get him to sort of be embedded within the idea, for interest, the style, and and, um, understand the sort of culture he's coming into, because it's very different to the the soccer culture in the US. Uh, It's a bit underwhelming, especially when you consider the the business other people in the league did, and how that's already, you're having players starting and doing well, whether it be Hibs or Celtic, or Hearts with Nathaniel Atkinson as well. But I I do think when we evaluate it, we have to consider what the objectives were for each player, and, and outside of Ramsey and Diallo, the the other two were meant to be sort of long-term or at least next season projects. And then those two all, are slightly more concerning, but they still do have time to sort of play their way back into positive mindsets. But it, it needs to come soon. They need to start contributing in, if it's not Wednesday, if it's not next week, it, it needs to be within the next two weeks.
0: Ian, on, on Aaron Ramsey, you know, I mean, I was always one that, that sort of felt, you know, He's here for a reason. I think eh, Stuart eh, Weir covered that fairly well on on, on yesterday's previous show. You know, if, if his career a bit similar to Paul Gascoigne, actually, if his career was going to plan, then it's highly unlikely that the Ibrox is is, is is part of the plan. And we always sort of knew that there was a risk that he, he, you know he was injury prone and all that kind of thing. But the, the fact that you know turning up to, to games and he's not even in the squad. It, I mean, I, I let the first two or three go, thinking, right, okay, he's got to get fit. And one thing I will say that the minute the city has had, he's had wee flashes to make you think, well, if we can get him fit, it could make the difference. But then now it just feels like we're not going to get him fit. The, the fact that he wasn't even on the bench today, for me, was a real, real concern. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know why he's he's not being played. Whether it's because
1: he's not fit in the sense of he's not match fit, or whether he's actually carrying an injury I, 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 I'm not 100% sure wh- which of those two it is and I, I guess you know either of them is a, a concern um, it, it, you're right I mean any player of his sort of stature in the game who ends up at Rangers is you know it's it's, it's obvious that he's here because you know he's, it's not worked out for him uh, where he was and this is an opportunity that's not necessarily a bad thing because you know it gives us the opportunity to get him. He's got something to prove, and and we can make make the most of that. And and at his level, if even if he's playing at ninety or eighty or seventy percent of what he's capable of, he should be better than the majority of players that he'll come up against in Scotland. So, uh, he, he you know in some ways it should be a a, 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 a no a lose for us. The lose is that if he doesn't play, so you know, you know, if he's not playing, then we're getting absolutely nothing from it. So, as I said earlier, I don't know what the terms of the, the loan deal are. If if we have to pay whether he's uh, playing or not, I suspect we probably probably do because I mean, you know, what, you know, Juventus are in the business of uh, of charity, so um, that that does. You know, that does concern me, but as Patrick said, you know that you know there's, there's time yet. He can he can come in and, and he could still play a an important role if uh, if if we if we if we are still fighting for for trophies.
0: Right, guys, uh, conscious of time, so I thought I would try and finish up on a positive. note, uh, given how shite a day it's been, I'll, I'll come I'll come at you first, Ian, because you've been loving with us. Uh, longer uh, than Patrick has announced through the week uh, that the club will finally, after I've been complaining about this for years and years, and I think, you know, viewing your uh, comments on Twitter every now and again, I think I think you are of a similar opinion. I've finally got an actual replica of the European Cup Winners' Cup for the, for the museum that's, that's, that's up and coming. For me, long overdue. I mean, people would say that's a meaningless thing, but I've always felt every time I've been in Ibrooks in the trophy room and, you know, and some of the suites and the rest of that, that trophy one is not recognized enough. You know, there's some nice pennants on the wall and stuff like that, but it always annoyed me that the replica was just, you know, I think the Loudon gave them a loany a, a replica at one point. And to see that the one that they've got, that's going to be displayed in the museum, it, it looks an absolute cracker. And, and it feels like it gives uh, that, that, you know, that victory and that achievement that, that, the this, this sort of attention that it's due to, I'm imagining that in this museum that'll be the sort of centrepiece that that's what it's all going to be focused around
1: yeah I mean that, the the old replica was an embarrassment really to be perfectly honest yeah. I mean it looked like a five a side trophy you know sort of thing you'd <laughs> have pick, picked up from uh, from uh, well I don't like, don't like to say the name but um, the uh, <laughs> it was the trophy centre uh, 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 um, yeah I, I mean so I, I, yeah you're right i mean you could argue it's not you know it's not the most important thing in, in uh, on, on the agenda especially after the last 10 years but but you know, i think i think what it does say is that at least the, the the people who are at the club now care a bit more than possibly people did even back you know 30 40 years ago when when you know that that replica i, can't, I don't know when that was when it was uh, the original replica, or, you know, the original version of it was brought in, but it, it was, you know, it was a long time ago. It's been, it's been there as long as I can remember in the trophy room. And, uh, it, it was, it, it almost was like, you know, that, that'll do, you know, that, 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 that was, yeah. that was always the attitude I always thought to towards Rangers and their, our, our history from, from previous, uh, uh, people who, who ran the club, uh, that they, they, they were happy. Enough where that'll do, and you know I'm I'm hoping I'm glad to see that that's not the case anymore, and the, the very fact that we've got this museum finally, you know, I'm really really excited for it. I, you know, I think I think even just seeing some of the stuff that occasionally gets uh, posted on Twitter from from the. Uh, the the guys that are yeah. involved in running the curator, yeah. it's just it just fills it fills me with joy. Some of the stuff that you see, and I think what well, what a job that would be. You know that you know yeah, I I'd give oh, I I'd 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 give my left arm to to do that job. You know it would be amazing. Um, so and and I you know. There's there's tons and tons of stuff I think uh, that's been hidden away in storage uh, by Rangers for for years. That hopefully a lot of that will now get to see the light of day. So, and it's a great thing for fans. But uh, you know, you talked about the, the the Milan museum, and we've all probably been to the Barcelona museum, and other other clubs have got them as well. It becomes a, an actual tourist attraction for for the city, and people who come to Glasgow, you know. They will make that. they should be making that part of their uh, their visit. So that helps with the, you know, sort of the the, the clubs' image overseas. Being people become a Rangers fan because they've they've gone to that museum and and seen some of the the, the history and some of the, the stuff that's on display there. So yeah, it's long overdue. Uh, the trophy's long overdue, but
0: the museum even more so. And, and I can't wait till it, till it, opens. Hey Patrick, I mean. I mean, following on from what Ian said there, I mean, it always annoyed me. I mean, I always felt that Aberdeen's replica of the European Cup Winners' Cup was was better than ours. Uh, so it's good to see that we've, we've we've amended that. But I mean, Ian's talking there about museums. I've I've certainly been to the Barcelona one. Uh, I think I was at I was at the one at Stamford Bridge, one at Anfield. I think you've recently vis- visited the one in AC Milan. And as Ian says, these these are things you know when, like for example, when away supporters even if even if supporters are coming in for, for uh, ties in European games against Celtic you know some of them might think you know what we'll pop over to Ibrox and have a wee, a wee visit at the museum
2: Yeah I mean just as I on the trophy uh, I, I think it's I think it's wonderful um, I mean what's the point of when you're making your history if, you, if it's not looked back fondly and appreciated um, so it is nice to finally have a a proper uh, one, a replica that will do justice. But yeah, I mean, if anyone's a, a football fan, uh, maybe not as much as the three of us. When I, when I plan my trips, I like to see if there's any club museums, and it's just the sort of thing. Uh, I was in the Mondo Milan, the AC Milan one last week, and it was it was really really well curated really nice mix of sort of old style technology or an no, old style like football memorabilia and new style technology. And it was really well put up. So you're at the shop at the end and lots of people are buying stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and was, yeah you always are in these things. Uh, <laughs> when
2: I was in Istanbul two years ago, I went to the Fenerbahce one and that was fantastic as well. And I just do think it's a sort of thing in which it does almost if you're sort of coming from, let's look at the the major tourists sort or of destinations that come to Scotland, you get lots of Spanish, Italians and Chinese and American tourists. And if you look at those latter two, a lot of them might not have a football club in Europe that they support. And this is a perfect opportunity to sort of sway them in it's a Rangers way. Um, and even if it's not that, it's a, it's a good way for them to sort of spend some cash and at least have a positive yeah. image for, for the team. So I think this is not the sort of thing that financially we could have responsibly had an outlay three or four, maybe five years ago, but it's the sort of thing in which now we're finally getting on, on a solid footing. It, it's the sort of extracurricular activities we should be pursuing. And uh, when I was at iBrox on Thursday, I was impressed. Um, I hadn't been in it in a few months for whatever reasons, but the. It's the expanding of the structure it's a big structure now and it was uh, not visible last time i was there so i think it's supposed to be opened at some point in this calendar year and i look forward to yeah to going hopefully as soon as it's open
0: yeah i'm looking forward to it. it's also there's going to be a venue for gigs and concerts and uh, i think there's going to be like a cafeteria bar there as well so yeah and and the fact that we finally have uh, a, a proper replica of that trophy I think is a, a good thing uh, right guys looking at time time to sort of wrap things up there uh, that's us just done the hour there so a big thanks to Ian and Patrick for their contributions it was obviously a difficult day again uh, for Rangers after dropping points uh, at Ibrox against Motherwell uh, we were live tonight on the Sunday night but as always the pod will be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow including ACAST iTunes YouTube Assbox, Stitch or Spotify, all your usual places. Uh, we'll try and get a preview show out for the St. Johnston game on Wednesday night. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself onto the JerzNet website and forums at uk. and until next time, bye for now.